I'm overlooking St. Peter's Square. It is a very nice evening. The sun is setting. It's behind the basilica right now. And because the sun is down, the temperatures are also finally back to normal. There's a slight breeze, very, very nice. And there is always a crowd on St. Peter's Square. But it's definitely much emptier and calmer than during the day when usually there's a line for the entrance to the basilica for security that uh, sometimes goes all the way up to, to this point. I'm standing just behind the, the fence here separating uh, Italy from, uh, from Vatican City. But you've got this unhindered view of the, of the square, the basilica, and of course lots of people are taking pictures and selfies. I'm surrounded by a tourist group here. They're all, I think they're from the Netherlands, they sound Dutch. <laughs> and there's another group forming uh, a little bit more on the left, um, and it is uh, a group of, of people waiting in line to get dinner to get some food. Uh, there are uh, two young women and uh, a man distributing uh, s sacks with uh, plastic bags, I should say, with, with sandwiches and some, something to drink and a yogurt maybe. Um, and these are volunteers from Sant'Egidio, uh, which is a lay community that started here in Rome and is now uh, working all over the world to help the poor. Um, and one of the things that always strikes me when I see them interact with these people that often are homeless or maybe very poor, they ha don't have money to buy food, they're in debt, or maybe they uh, have an addiction problems or psychological problems, uh, they always treat everyone who comes there not as someone who needs help not just someone who is just this poor guy or poor woman and here let me gift you something no they talk to them as friends as equals they they don't just give food they start a conversation they ask the the, the, the people that are hungry well, like how are you doing how was your day simple things that you would ask any one of your friends and they try to be as as um, to treat everyone who is there as an equal and not as a subject for mercy. And I've learned a lot from that approach. They also um, never talk about homeless or, oh, that's just a beggar. No, it's always, that's a friend. And, and, and it's, it's, uh, it comes very natural to them to do that and, and this is what they so they do have food distribution a few times a week they this is here in the streets because there are a lot of homeless people as soon as the tourists are gone uh, the Vatican allows homeless people to sleep in the on the on St. not on St. Peter's Square but definitely under the colonnade which of course in the winter and when it's raining is a, is a dry place they are allowed to set up their tent or maybe put down a sleeping bag and that is why the members of Sant'Egidio are here now to make sure that they have something to eat before they go to sleep and 
on other days, they're, they're, I just passed next to this convent. And there are sisters here that do the same on other days. So they will distribute also sandwiches and sometimes soup, especially when it's cold, uh, or a pasta. And, uh, and so a number of these volunteer organizations will alternate in helping people that just don't have food or, don't, or, or just want to have conversation and, and, and feel, at least for one moment of the day, as normal people who are welcome, who are receiving a smile uh, and, 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 and they can talk about what's going on and maybe even if they need a, a bit of help then they can be referred to other uh, people that can, that can uh, support them. And it's, it, you know, this whole theme of friendship is, I think, the cement of this city. There are lots of old buildings here <laughs> and some of them are completely in ruins and others have stood the test of time and it always depends on the solidity of the foundation the type of stone and the cement that they've used the care with with which the, these buildings were built and I think what communities like Sant'Egidio are doing is to rebuild the city the, the non-physical part of the city and the cement is friendship and that makes a very strong cohesion between all these different building blocks of the city. The, the, this city exists because of the people that live there. Without it, it would be a ghost town. And so communities like this understand that if you forget to build the cohesion and the friendship between people, everything else will also crumble. And I think that is a, a, an extremely important prophetic message for our modern societies and it is the core of the gospel without being preachy and that's the genius of it what they do is exactly what jesus tells people to do go feed the hungry clothe the naked visit the sick uh, it, it, this is the gospel the, in the uh, put in practice in a way that Jesus intended, and and he and Jesus was very clear. And yet, we always think that faith is mostly about masses and correct liturgy and frankincense and vestments and church buildings and organization and money and planning and pastoral projects. Uh, it's so much more simple. And you know what? Their work really does make a difference when, when you start treating someone as a friend and you have a, a dialogue where the other person is also important to you not just you want to help someone else now, someone else has also something to bring to the table as well that is how lives change and this, and this is also a reminder for because they're doing this in the middle of the well not the middle of St. Peter's Square which is right in front of the Basilica for everyone to see and it's not to show off like look at us but it's to show this is this is what we are supposed to do follow our example come along come and help volunteer there's lots of romans also students that will spend a few hours every week to do this kind of volunteer work and i believe i'm convinced that this is way more important than any other you know social planning or whatever 
it's, it's simple. You don't have to change their lives. You don't have to solve all their problems. What they mostly need is a friend that listens, that smiles, that shares food with them, and more importantly, shares some time, dares to touch them without thinking, ooh, that's a dirty old man and ooh, he's covered in, in sores and... It's about, this is my friend, and, and what can I do for you? And do you have a story to tell me? Is there something that you could share? If, it, if, only, is it, if, it's, if only a story, share it with me. I, I love to hear it. I love to receive it. This is friendship. And it goes way beyond just mere attraction. Like, oh, I just want to hang out with people that I like. This is, this is about acknowledging someone else as a friend, even though you may not know him yet. But it's this... this basic attitude that will change the nature of the relationship and and this is something that we also uh, know from personal experience when someone treats you as a friend you you become a friend you change your own attitude as well and I'm, I'm waiting for the the lights to turn green because I yeah there we go I need to cross this extremely busy road and uh, even though traffic is usually very careful not to run over pedestrians, this is just one of those roads where the, the, the buses and the cars come out of a tunnel. They, they go very fast. Anyway, I'm on the other side. And now I'm heading towards Trastevere for dinner. I'm looking forward to a nice, simple meal. But... This is also something that I've experienced myself here in Rome. And I would even say that it's a bit of a breakthrough for me. I've always considered myself to be a bit of an introvert and I just needed my alone time and I, I like to be alone. <laughs> and that's not for everyone. But in a way, it's just how I've always lived my life. But I've also become more and more aware that part of that, that attitude where... I kind of, I, I don't mind being among people, but I also really don't mind to be not among people. At, at least part of that is also, um, I think, a, a bit of a, an inability to connect. Uh, the inability to truly be myself among other people. I always, I often, not always, I often feel a bit awkward a bit strange when I'm among people, especially people that I don't know very well. So I have very few good friends where I feel like I can totally be myself. And, uh, for instance, you know, the group of priests that, that I go on vacation with. We know each other from since we were in Rome. So for more than 21 years now, and I feel totally myself there. I don't have to pretend to be who I'm not uh, I don't have to uh, perform anything and it's very different from a lot of other relationships that I have in my life where there's always a little bit of that tension of that pressure like my TV personality well I have to be eloquent I have to tell a good story 
I have to be cheerful. Or the Instagram Father Roderick or the TikTok Father Roderick. They need to always be smiling. And I, I, I mean, it's, that's not totally untrue. But I wouldn't post a TikTok video on a morning where I haven't had any coffee and I'm just really, really pissed that it's raining and I don't have energy to do anything. On days like that, I don't post. And so when I want to communicate with, with people that we call on social media, we call them friends, it's often still, there's still pressure to be a certain version of Father Roderick. And true friendship, where you can totally be yourself, because you don't have to fear what other people think of you, that's rare. And I think this is probably due to uh, my childhood, where oftentimes I, I felt like I wasn't good enough. I've talked about that uh, before here on the podcast, and also being bullied a lot as a child. Um, of course, none of that helps you to establish, uh, uh, you know, normal relationships of trust with people. You always have to be aware that even kids in school, sometimes they would be very kind to me and then they would steal my, my marbles, <laughs> you know, or my stickers or whatever I was collecting. Or they would be kind if they were alone with me and... Uh, it was just one-on-one, -on -one, but then when there was group pressure and the other kids started to mock me, then they would just join the, 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 the armies of the, of the bullies. And I felt betrayed by that. And if you're a child, and you always feel a little bit more... I mean, I felt very different from, from my classmates for, for many reasons. One of which was, of course, I was from, partially from Chinese descent, so I didn't look like a Dutch boy. And uh, I was also raised in a, in, a, in a family that was not, in a certain way, it was a bit atypical. Uh, I liked stuff that most boys were kind of dismissive of. You know, I, I, I remember that even when I was still a, like a five-year-old, uh, I would see the, the boys would always play with the, the cars, and I couldn't care less. I was not interested at all in cars or building. You know, they would use the Meccano structures and build stuff. And I was like, that's so boring. But then the girls, they were always playing with the um, the dolls. And they had like this miniature kitchen. And they would draw. And uh, uh, that was so much more fun. So I, was all, I, was, I would always hang out with the girls and of course I would pay the price for that later on because that was not that was not what boys were supposed to do and that that's been a kind of a major thing in my life where a lot of the things that I loved and was passionate about take Star Wars or books you know I was always in the library reading my 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 existence was partially here on earth partially in in other galaxies but I was the only one this was way before the internet so I didn't know that there were other Star Wars fans out there, and I certainly was the only one on, in my school. And, and I was mocked for that, not just by the kids, but also by, by the teachers. And so I think that, plus maybe also parts of my, my um, education, um, made me more 
careful with relationships. I keep people at a distance. And I, I kind of sh- tell myself, I, for a long time, I've thought it's just because I'm an introvert. I was happy to hear about this, this whole... I, did, I had never heard of what an introvert was, but then you, you read about it and you're just like, hey, that, that's me. Yeah, that's totally me. I need to recharge. And, and, and when I'm among people, it's not that I'm antisocial, not at all, but I, I you know, especially in groups where I, I'm not at ease, I want to disappear in a, in, a, in a corner. Like when we were... Um, when I was in high school, uh, every class had a mentor. It's usually a teacher who was, uh, yeah, I don't know, like, had, was, was supposed to have a bit of an extra attention to that particular class. Very good idea. But then uh, he, the, the guy that we had felt that was important that we would sometimes come together in school after school hours, not for learning, teaching, but for, for fun, which to me was the worst. Like, why would I go to school? I already don't like to go to school in the first place because it, 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 this school time takes away from my hobbies. I'd like to draw. I want to listen to music, make music, think about Star Wars, and instead I have to do math. Seriously, I'm never going to do anything with math in my life, which, by the way, happened to be the absolute truth so I there were times that I felt like what I'm doing here is a waste of my time why on earth would I go to school after hours like at 7 o'clock in the evening and they would have these they would turn one of those classrooms into a, a disco it was the disco it was the 70s 70s early 80s so they would uh, darken the classroom and they would have these multicolored lights and this glittery ball in the center of the room, and then I would play pop music. I hated pop music. I was always like trying to distance myself from what other kids liked, because I didn't want to be like the other kids, and I felt like, you know what, I, I might as well just go for it 100%. So if my classmates told me that I should like this or that band, I would listen to the total opposite. I would listen to classical music, or even better, most of the times, I was listening to the BBC. I loved listening to the news. I loved uh, radio plays. I was totally addicted to radio plays. I would sometimes record on a cassette deck in front of the TV. I would record a movie. Because back then we didn't have uh, recorders or, or multiple channels. But every once in a while there was a cool movie, an American movie on TV. And I would record the sound. And I would play that tape over and over again, and I would see the movie in my mind. And I was like, well, why would I go to school and, and then listen to this awful pop music? And then the worst thing, you had to dance. And these kids, and, uh, well, uh, dancing. It was just written, rhythmic music, uh, rhythmic movements on music that I didn't like with people that I didn't want to be with in a school that I don't, didn't want to be with. And so, but I also felt the moral, the kind of the social pressure to go there and, you know, would be encouraged by my mother, of course, who was like, oh, you cannot stay away and you're always in your room. You're always so self-centered and all that kind of criticism. And so I forced myself to go there. And thankfully, there was a a good friend of mine who was kind of a bit like me and he, he too didn't really care for that kind of 
entertainment and then I was just standing there just wishing it to be over for two hours but I think that that when I got older that that became kind of part of my identity where I felt ill at ease when I was in a in an environment because you get all these triggers from when you were a kid and you still feel like a bit awkward and, and you know I'm a priest also which is kind of like already awkward in itself it's super nerdy to be a Catholic priest and so if I am among other people I always feel like hmm I have to be the best version of myself uh, and so I my <laughs> work in many ways it's very extroverted it's like you have to talk in public I have to preach I have to be among prisoners you have to be able to talk with people from all sorts of ages and backgrounds and I've always done my best to do that but that's a huge difference between between that which is just pastoral work in a certain way or media work and then having normal real relationships with other people where you can just be yourself and where you don't have to worry about what other people think or say that one of the other problems of working as a priest in a parish and also in, as a priest in the media is everybody has an opinion on you and it's not always a positive opinion so you, you either are working to maintain your good reputation because you want people to like you or you are trying to fix uh, situations where you feel like you're judged or mis misinterpreted oh wow this Carabinieri wants to enter this uh, narrow street there's a guy playing the violin here so we're now entering Trastevere uh, people are it's a narrow street lots of lights people are sitting outside at small tables with yellow tablecloth and uh, and white red checkered uh, clo cloths cloths tablecloths a little cloth you know what I want to say uh, and it, again it's uh, there are lots of people but it's not as crowded as it uh, as it sometimes is during the weekend so part of that is kind of has become second nature to always like mm, I feel like it's not safe to open up to everyone and then that was also amplified by the fact that uh, as you know on, on these podcasts I'm very open right I, I try to be transparent because I know that that is the only way to really connect sometimes on a deeper level and I don't mind being vulnerable I don't mind if people take contents from this podcast and use it to criticize me or whatever that's part of the job in a certain way but it's still it's still risky and my mother would, would often tell me like you, you are talking too much about, uh, about don't tell people that you're sick don't tell people that you, about your, uh, your doubts or you have to be you have to give the, the right example you're too open your people are going to take advantage of you etc all sorts of ways in which I felt that it wasn't safe to just be myself that, that wasn't good enough I just had to only show part of myself which goes so much uh, against what I want to be and I think what we all want to be we all want to be 
feel that we are appreciated, that we are loved, that, that, we, that people see us for who we are, like on St. Peter's Square. You know, these people that don't have a home anymore or that got, for one reason or another, in, in very difficult situations. They don't want people to feel sorry for them or to look with pity like, oh, you poor you, let me give you a sandwich. Uh, they just want to be acknowledged as human beings that have a dignity, have a story to tell, that want to be friends with someone. And same here, I'm, I'm passing by the Trattoria degli Amici, degli Amici, I should say, uh, which is a restaurant that is also uh, run by uh, Sant'Egidio. And the personnel that works here in the restaurant, the servers, are uh, people with Down syndrome. That's also a group. They, they may not be able to live independently, but they have a real job here, and they are considered to be professional servers. They get trained and everything. There, was, there is probably not another restaurant that would ever hire people with Down syndrome, but here they do, and it's a very successful restaurant. And when you are there, the, no one will say, well, hey, but that's a person with Down syndrome. Oh, isn't that interesting? No, it's just... These are people that are doing a great job. It gives them fulfillment. It helps, it helps you have a, a, a great evening. Plus, they are very open. They have time for a talk. They're kind. They smile. And, and so there's always a very, very good atmosphere in there. In other restaurants, sometimes you'll see people that are a bit mad. Like, oh, well, we've ordered the food half an hour ago and it's still not there. What kind of restaurant is this? You will never see that in... Gli amici, gli amici, which means literally the friends, because you feel that everybody is trying to give you a good time, and 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 friendship again is is the is the essential ingredient on the menu, and the rest is just a pretext to have an experience of friendship. That that is so important, and it makes me think so much about the experiences that I've had these past few days here in Rome where I was invited by a couple an older couple from my parish or, and, and they, know, they knew that I was going to Rome they too wanted to be here and they, they, they called me and said hey we, we may have an apartment for you we're going to stay there there's going to be another couple uh, they're also going to stay there yeah it's, you ha you'll have your own bedroom but, and we share a kitchen and we share a bathroom and a shower and and like uh, my, my initial reaction was but 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 I always want to be on my own I just want to have my own apartment and oh then I need to hang out with these people and I don't even know them and I felt very reluctant but at the same time I was also disarmed by the kindness with which they offered me to join them and and it was that kindness that got me over my 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 hesitance and so I was like, I'd love to go with you. And you know what? It was fantastic. These people were so kind. And so we had just the most amazing conversations with all four of us, or all five of us. And the other couple was uh, from the north of the country. And it turns out that I have interviewed the man um, years ago because of a, a project that he had in which he, uh, with a couple of volunteers, he... Uh, he had bought a bus and 
had completely renovated and refurbished it and it was now like a, a, a clothing shop and they were but again it was like secondhand clothes and they would go to all the small villages where often you have people with not much money and they would just invite people to just come and pick some clothes and it's very cheap have a cup of coffee with us have a conversation so very much the same idea or the same in the same vein as what Sant'Egidio is doing here and uh, but I hadn't talked after well the show was on TV and, and I've never been back I've never talked with him and now he, he had just been ordained a permanent deacon and so he was there too with his wife and even though I'd only seen him one day and did an interview with him I, I felt like we'd been friends forever and this was this friendship was an incredible transformative experience because normally when I'm in Rome I'm usually alone or I am with Father Henry people that I really know and this time I was in Rome with strangers in a certain way but it was their friendship that kind of was able to lower my defenses my, my, my wall of protection and I felt after a day I could totally be myself and uh, you know I was just one of the group and, and, and it's so funny in, in like four days we became the best of friends and I, and I really feel that in these few days that I'm in Rome, I've gained four extremely good friends. And, and that is, that's amazing, and it feels so good. And it's these little moments, these, these moments where you discover that, you know what, it's okay to open up. You don't have to always be on guard or, or be a certain Father Roderick. If you are yourself, that's good enough. People will accept you, and you can, you can have a French... You can, you can be friends with people even if you don't know them very well um, and, and I, I hope that I can learn that more that I can become even more open and, in, and in, to a certain extent also repair the, the maybe the damage that, that, that was done in the past through circumstances uh, that, that made me more of an introvert than I actually need to be I still know that I need my downtime and it's just also kind of how my brain functions. I need time to process, I need time to think. I love to, that's why podcasting is such a fantastic, or social media in general is a fantastic medium because I can tell stories, but I don't always have to be with other people. I'm communicating with you and it feels very one-on-one, -on -one, but of course I'm, I'm recording something that you will listen to in the, in the future, weeks from now maybe, but that doesn't matter. It still feels like a genuine connection. And at the same time, for me, it's much easier to just talk like this because I can focus on the conversation. I don't have to worry about other aspects and just recording this show, this podcast. And so I don't think that that will change per se, but definitely my, the, my social circle has become very, very small, especially now that I've moved. But I feel that I'm much more ready to open up and to grow my circle of friends way beyond it ever has been before. But I had to go through that experience of losing things, of, of, of knowing that I'm, I'm, I'm valuable and it doesn't depend on how I present myself or what I do or that I can only show part of who I am, but that I'm just valued for who I am and, and vice versa I can also be friends with anyone that crosses my path and 
you know, that's what I see with, uh, by the example of, of Sant'Egidio. They can be friends with people that have lived on the streets for, for 20 years. Who am I to not be friends with people that are around me? Oh, I'm here at Carlo Menta, which is uh, one of my favorite restaurants in Trastevere. I see all these people sitting down and ah, enjoying a nice dinner. I think I'm going to wrap things up here on the show. Thank you for coming along with me on this walk. And for my patrons, I will record an extra mile when I'm starting my dessert here. So uh, if you're a patron, look for that in your feed. If you aren't a patron yet, but you want to join this wonderful community of friends and get access to uh, the, what is it, three or four weekly podcasts that I produce it, for just for the patrons, then uh, go to patreon.com slash fatherroderick. Hey, thanks for, uh, for walking with me. Thanks for listening, because that's the basis of friendship. Ciao, arrivederci. Ci vediamo. <laughs>